Welcome to The Daily Dharma, a podcast where we draw inspiration from Buddhist philosophy on how to fix and better our lives. Join us as we dig through the archives of Buddhist texts, great teachers, and real life to grab an extra hit of wisdom to lift us up from the daily grind and find much-needed peace. Hi everyone, this is Akemi, and welcome to The Daily Dharma. In this episode, we're going to be talking about wisdom as a verb, what it means to be wise, and how you can be wise at any stage in every stage of your life. So just to take it a step back, wisdom is a very, very loaded word. I think in society, a lot of the times we ascribe wisdom to people who have achieved a lot in their lives, and thus wisdom is more of an object that you've gained once you've been through a lot of humps and uh, ups and downs, and you've come through well. So if you haven't achieved a lot in your life, I guess you're not very wise. That's kind of the assumption that is made. And I'd like to, I'm very happy to report that according to Buddhist philosophy and the context of Buddhism in general, that's definitely not true. Other people's perception of you and what you've achieved have no factor in whether or not you're a wise person. And more or less, wisdom is something that you experience within yourself. And other people might not even know and may never know that you're very wise. But as long as you know that you're wise, you very much will be wise and could be extremely wise. And I would say that the number one test of wisdom is joy. There's this Dhammapada quote that reads, they who drinks the Dhamma lives happily with a tranquil mind. And I think what that really says is that Really, nobody needs to tell you that you're wise in order to prove that you're wise. If you are a wise person, you're happy, you're joyful, you're content. You're getting the absolute most from your life and you don't need anybody to either echo that or to prove that in order to know that it is true. That is when you know that you've been wise in your life is that joy and the feeling that you know is true within yourself. So then, that's really all good to know, but how do we actually be wise in our lives? And I think this is the biggest question here, and it's the one that I feel and think about all the time. Because, great, like we, we can all, we all have the capacity to be wise, and you know, you don't need to prove, other people don't need to tell you that you're wise in order for you to be wise, but how, how do we even get wise in the first place? So, in, upon thinking about this, I broke it down into three key steps. So the first is recognizing that how you feel, think, and are is an aggregation of multiple factors, including your upbringing, so your family, your siblings, the people around you um, who are there to kind of tell you about the world and how life is when you were growing up, society, so the education system, media, all these impersonal yet extremely relevant influences that inform you of life and what you should and shouldn't do. Friends, so this could entirely be circumstantial friends, like your next door neighbor, that, you know, it's not like you chose them to be your neighbor, but because they're there, they become your friends, as well as the friends that we choose, the people that we explicitly feel are good for us and 
and therefore we keep them in our lives. And then finally, our own choices, our own self. So why is it important then for our own journey in wisdom to recognize that there are multiple different reasons for why we have our patterns, that all of these four things and perhaps even other influences lead to your patterns. It's because it forces you to recognize that we are complex people and we absorb and learn things from others as well as our own striving and our own doing. And when we realize all of these factors, it gives us the control to change any negative influences and amplify any positive influences we get from others. I think one of the most damaging things about self-help in general is that it totally forgets this. It just puts the onus on you to take responsibility for everything in your life, give no blame, no responsibility to anybody else, including the results, the adults that raised you or the people that maybe should have known better when you know they were your teachers or maybe even friends that you had no intention of any negative experience yet for some reason they turned out to be toxic. I think it's very, very important to realize that we're not always in control of our environment and the people around us. And thus sometimes we absorb things from them that we're not even conscious about. And when we realize that unconsciously, we're always getting information from the people and the environment and the things that we choose to expose ourselves to, well, that gives us a little bit more power to control our environment and to control who it is in our lives that we keep over time. And as a result, we start to understand and recognize and appreciate the complexity of what it really means to live a good life and to be happy, especially in the greater context of not just being happy for one second, but building a life of happiness. It's, it's a lot of complex things put together. And thus, it's not enough to simply just control yourself and then also control your mind and your body and your words. It's also a matter of making choices about the greater context of your life. So the people that you're with, the environment that you choose, the livelihood that you are, you know, are choosing for yourself. All of these external factors as well as internal factors are ultimately what accumulate and aggregate to become your patterns. And thus, when we make good choices about the internal and external influences in our lives, we're making good choices about our life in general. And that is the first step in wisdom. So the second step then is actually observing what is actually happening in your life. So what that really means is, you know, why do you think, like, what, what are you really thinking? Not the why, sorry, that's the next step. But anyways, what are you really thinking? What are you really saying? What are you really doing? Over time, when you either write down or reflect within yourself, you'll start to see that there are certain patterns in your thinking, your speech, and your behavior that is working for you and really good for you, and also some that just are not working for you. And knowing that A, you can actually absolutely just be an objective observer in your life 
and you don't always have to associate everything you do with so much judgment and layer it with so much emotion and a lot of moral kind of and like this is this is where I think again like when we something bad happens in our life or we do something wrong we make a mistake and we think we have failed well then to be honest with you the learning of that moment is gone we've destroyed it because if we look at it as in okay something has happened and there's there's a learning here well, we can actually gain insight from that situation rather than just calling it a failure and allowing ourselves to feel bad about it, if you get what I mean. So I think the second, it's very, very important that we learn to observe our own lives and our own patterns with compassion. Because without that compassion, we start to layer moral judgments into everything that happens. And it kind of you know, pushes us back into that blame game of like, well, I'm crap and therefore everything in my life is crap and vice versa. So there's nowhere to go from here because I'm just crap. But when we learn to become compassion observers of what is working and what is not working, of our thoughts, of our speech, of our behavior, we give, we give ourselves the permission to actually be mindful about what is happening within our lives and to just think about it. And I'd like to say, like, it's so easy for me to say, but it's a very, very difficult thing to do in life. Because again, the knee-jerk reaction for most of us, including myself, is to always think of it as a moral failing. Think of it as I've done something wrong. I need to feel bad about myself. But when you take out the emotion, when you take out the moral judgments, and you also take out the need to add details or add statements to whatever has happening in your life, inside your head, and you just observe things as is, as objectively as possible. It's kind of like magic because you're now you have this log in your head of what is actually happening versus what you think is happening and what and why it's happening. Sometimes the why is actually not necessary. Sometimes we have to actually start with a clean description of what has happened and then we can go on to the why and we could start to examine the why from multiple angles rather than just going straight for the, you know, for the regular, it's my fault. I screwed this up and therefore I'm going to feel bad about it. If we don't want to go down the path of guilt, we have to first learn to be compassionate in our own observations of our lives. And that's where you can actually start to see what is working and what is not. Because otherwise you're going to be blinded by your own feelings of the situation rather than what is the situation in reality. So I'll tell you a good example of this actually. So I like to bring up dating a lot because I think dating again, is very much something that people like to ascribe as like a moral failing. So if you're dating someone bad, that's because you've made bad choices and therefore you deserve to be with a person that is not treating you well. And if you're dating someone great, it's because you have self-respect for yourself and therefore, you know, you've made good choices and you deserve a good partner. But I like, according to like my experience, 
and like what I've understood. That's absolutely not true. We date the people that we are conditioned through our early childhood experiences as well as the rest of our lives to be normal. We date what's comfortable and we date what is the most familiar to us. And so even if we try and want to be good people, if we unfortunately grew up with a lot of abuse and trauma, we inherently feel familiar with those kind of patterns in other people. So even if we just we don't we know it's not right, we are attracted to those people and we get into relationships with these people. But that's not to say that we're bad people. In fact, it's just something that we need to observe compassionately within ourselves and that recognize that maybe we make these decisions because of other factors that now that we know of, we can let go of. Because what ultimately brings power and control, true power and control, is compassion and understanding of yourself, recognizing that there is indeed a pattern. And this pattern comes from, for example, your childhood, comes from your upbringing, comes from media, comes from friends. I think when, and and perhaps even yourself. So, or rather, it really ends up being within yourself. So when you know, for example, that you make certain decisions and what you think and what you say and what you do that's not working, that is a moment to finally just ask, why is it not working? And then what can be done differently? And that is ultimately the third step when it comes to wisdom. Because let's say that you actually do step one, which is to recognize that you're a complex person and that your influences come from everywhere. And once you recognize those influences, you can break their control over you. And then number two, you actually compassionately observe what is working and what is not working in your life. Well, then the third and probably one of the scariest steps when it comes to living well is being brave and courageous enough to acknowledge that despite everything, these patterns can be changed and that you are in control of your life. So what does this really mean? How does this manifest? So back to the example of, you know, despite everything you try to do, you just always end up dating people that cause harm and pain to you. And this is definitely something that I've observed in my own life. This is where we have to actually be brave enough to try new things, to give yourself the permission to make some mistakes, to remind yourself that failure is not a moral issue, it's an ideological one, and that no matter what, you can always pivot to better. So I wrote these points down because in reality, like we always want to be better. We always want to be different, but it is actually scary to do things in a way that isn't familiar, but that's okay. That is totally okay. And giving yourself the permission to fail is very important in this process because let's say that you have always dated a certain type of person and you go on a dating app and you're like, okay, I'm going to find the polar opposite. And that doesn't go well either. Well, is it because you did something wrong? No, you're still in the trial and error process of your stage. And recognizing that, understanding that is all part of the verb, the action, the experience of being wise. 
when you acknowledge the fact that in life, all you can do is try and that trying does not necessarily lead to concrete, um, positive results, that is absolutely wisdom. That is knowing that you were trying, acknowledging that you're trying and that you are going to find that pivot. You are going to find what is working for you and stick to it. And, you know, I think dating is another good example because we all know that we want to find a great partner, but sometimes we just don't. And that's not our fault and that is totally okay. When we realize that sometimes we try and try and try and we change things and sometimes yet we so-called fail, but we acknowledge that we have tried everything, well then, and, and give ourselves the credit for it, that is wisdom. Because ultimately at the end of the day, all you can do in life is to recognize where these patterns and behaviors come from, acknowledge what is working and what is not, and then try differently and see if that works. And that is ultimately the verb, the action, the experience of being wise. Because you recognize and understand that life is only what is made known to you and what you discover on your own. So the more experimenting you do and the more observing you do and the more you dig into your own psyche and your own life and you realize that you as a person and where you are now is part and parcel all of the different influences you've had and it's all kind of like mixed together and that you're a complex human being, all of that helps you to make better decisions in your life, as well as to be okay when things don't go well. Wisdom is so many things balled together into one experience of happiness and joy. But even if you're not at that state of joy and happiness, that's okay. You'll keep going, keep pivoting, keep learning until you get there. And that my friends, is ultimately wisdom, is realizing that you're going to pivot to better and you're going to get there. And it's just a matter of going through these three steps over and over until you do. Now, this is a very difficult subject, but I hope I broke down and simplified the action, the verbiage, the verb of wisdom in a Buddhist context for you. And I really do think that all of us, including myself, like we're so hard on ourselves for not being wise enough or not making wiser decisions. But ultimately, at the end of the day, all we can do is acknowledge that certain decisions did not work and then learn from it and then try and try again. And if you're doing that already in your life, no matter where you are in your life, you are incredibly wise. And you need to acknowledge that within yourself and appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Daily Dharma. I'll see you again next week. Stay safe out there.